Thank you, Deb. So it's great to be together um, today. And, uh, you know, we are finishing our series today, uh, looking at some of the images that Paul uses to describe the church. I think this has been a great series, actually. Some beautiful and some rich imagery um, drawn from the book of Ephesians. You know, we thought about us being the bride of Jesus, about us being the body of uh, Jesus in the world, of us being the temple of the Holy Spirit together, um, of us being a family with one another. And today we're thinking about the analogy that Paul uses where uh, he effectively describes us as a work of art. Uh, you know, the version we're reading from, um, from the front here um, uses um, this phrase that we are God's workmanship. Uh, your version uh, of the Bible might read something like, you know, we are God's handiwork. Uh, some versions say we are his masterpiece. You know, a masterpiece um, is an artist's prized piece of art. Uh, you know, it's a wonderful image that you and I are God's masterpieces. We are his work of art. The person sat next to you um, is a work of art the very handiwork of God himself. You know, each one of us, unique and special in our own rights, having the fingerprint of God writ large in our lives. And somehow, us together, as a community of people, we are kind of weaved together into this wonderful kind of tapestry of creativity that reflects the genius of our creator, God, just like we were singing earlier on. I don't know whether you have ever seen a really famous work of art. Um, now, many years ago, um, there's, there's a picture to prove it, um, Paul, if you could put that one up, many years. Uh, uh, Ruth doesn't look any different, um, I, I do. Uh, but uh, many years ago, Ruth and I went to Paris I know it was a long time ago because it's pre-kids, which just feels like forever ago. Uh, but we went to Paris. And one of the things that we did, of course, when you go to Paris, is you have to look around some art galleries, don't you, and some museums. And we went to the Louvre. Did I say that right? Louvre. Uh, and uh, we saw that famous um, painting by Leonardo da Vinci, the Mona Lisa. And I've got to be honest, I found it a bit disappointing, actually. Uh, and not because it's a bad piece of artwork, don't get me wrong, priceless piece of artwork that it is, but it was actually quite a lot smaller than I was expecting. Um, and if you've ever been there, it's kind of, it has, it's in front, it's got this kind of glass screen that goes over the front of it, which, um, I, you know, I'm sure is very sensible um, to protect it from changes in temperature and humidity. Um, you have to stand kind of quite a long way back from it behind this kind of rope thing. Um, and uh, there's some kind of quite officious, scary looking security guards that kind of eye you up just to make sure that you're behaving yourself whilst you're near. Um, you can't touch it, of course, you can't really go near it at all. You can't make out um, any of the finer details of um, what is a wonderful painting of that strange uh, smile. It's kind of fair enough, isn't it? It's a priceless um, piece of artwork. Apparently these days, actually I was reading this online, you can, you can do a virtual reality tour of the Mona Lisa, just a little hint here. Uh, apparently you can download it onto your mobile phone and kind of walk around it and get up close to it. So maybe, maybe that's what we all ought to do. Um, although I'm sure that the curators at the Louvre would like you to, to, uh, to go there too. Um, now, is that kind of the way things should be? 
You know, God here um, says that we are his masterpieces. And actually, God treats his masterpieces quite differently from the way that the Mona Lisa or many other, I'm sure, famous pieces of artwork are treated. You know, perhaps COVID aside, we're not called to live in hermetically sealed kind of glass environments inside uh, glass containers where our hands um, might not kind of uh, touch that artwork, but rather we are to be people as God's artwork, his work of art, who go out and get our hands dirty. Not works of art to be put in a museum somewhere protected from the world, but to be in the world, up close and personal with it. I don't think that uh, the Mona Lisa is a good example of the kind of masterpiece that God had in mind when he describes each of us and us together as his work of art. So let's read these words in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, you can read along with me. Um, If not, it's on the screens here. Uh, I'm reading from a different version this morning, from the um, what's called the ESV, English Standard Version. Um, And uh, it says uh, this, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 8. It says, for for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. A couple of years ago, um, we as a family, I don't know if you ever bought anything online and, and you, you kind of, when it arrives, you think, oh no, w- what have I done? <laughs> you, you know, you read these stories of people kind of ordering a lovely armchair from the living room and, and what arrives is this tiny box and actually what they find is they've bought, you know, something for a doll's house, you know, by mistake. We had one of those moments, actually. We ordered some single um, mattresses. Um, now, these are adult-sized single beds, right? So a single-sized mattress, two of them. Um, for, for the kids, for their beds. Um, and, uh, and, and we ordered them online. And they came, they arrived, and, and actually um, one of these boxes was, I kid you not, like this big. And, uh, and, and Ruth and I kind of looked at each other and we thought, what have we done? Like we've, we've made some horrible mistake. Um, but actually as we kind of you know, got the, the Stanley knife out and, and, and ripped open the box, all of a sudden, kind of all the air was sucked from the room. And, uh, and what happened was this, this single mattress kind of emerged from the box and, uh, and pot plants are being knocked over and kids are jumping out the way because all of a sudden this single mattress just appears and it appears to have kind of been vacuum packed kind of into this tiny little box and then becomes this single mattress. Thankfully, we opened it in the right room. Otherwise, I don't know whether we would have got it in there. Uh, but I feel a little bit like that with this, um, with this chapter, actually, but particularly with these verses. I feel like, um, you know, you could have a year's worth of talks just on this passage. There's so much there. There's so much depth. It's almost like Paul has vacuum-packed all these wonderful truths into this, and, and they're kind of exploding on us as we read. Paul here is drawing on some huge themes. But this passage, you know, not only talks about the work that God has done in us, the work that God has done in us, but also the work that God has done for us. And Paul is at pains here to point out that we're his workmanship, that we're saved by grace through faith in in Jesus. And that's not of our own doing. God has worked in us and for us 
But Paul also talks about what he wants to do through us. In us, for us, but also through us. We're created, verse 10 there, for um, what it describes as good works. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God has planned in advance that we should walk in them. It's tempting at first glance to look at these verses and to particularly to look, you just got three verses here and the first two you can think are and appear to be all about grace. And then you get on to verse 10 and it appears to all be about what we do for God. Um, our works, our good works. But actually I think that that misses the point. That actually we are in danger here of missing a very important thing that's easy to neglect. That all of these verses are about grace. There's one commentator writing about this passage, Andrew Lincoln. He says this, it's, it is grace all the way. It's grace all the way. So, you know, this passage talks about God being creator. And in the beginning, of course, God takes some dirt, doesn't he? And he takes humankind and he forms humankind from the dust of the earth. It talks in the Psalms about God being a creator. It says that he's knit us together in our mother's womb. In the prophets, they talk about God being a creator. Like in Jeremiah 18, it depicts God as being like a potter who takes some clay, us, and moulds it into what he would have it be. God is a potter, fashioning us like clay. And here, Paul talks about us in Christ being God's workmanship created in Christ and the Greek word here translated workmanship is a poema and it's the word work from which we derive the English word poem and just like any great piece of art you know whether it's a painting or a poem or a sculpture or a song um, great pieces of art are not static they don't just stay the same if you're reading a wonderful poem, it can still speak to you today in new and fresh ways, even though it's something that may have been written down first, you know, 100 years ago or more. It continues to speak to new generations. And, and in the same way, the work of Jesus continues to create. It isn't a one-off event that happened in the past. God's work continues to bring new levels and new depths of meaning for each one of us. You know, elsewhere in, uh, in the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about us being a new creation, a new creation. And God continues to work in us, to mould us, to shape us, just like that, the potter uh, moulds and shapes the clay, continues to do to mould us and to shape us to be more the way he wants us to be. We're always changing, always growing, and God continues to work on each one of us. We are both a work in progress, but also God continues to work on our character to change us, to look more and more like Jesus. And there's a challenge here that if we are God's workmanship, we need to be open to the master craftsman. The final picture of what we are, who we are, may still be evolving. 
But it says here in our passage to walk in, verse 10, walk in the good works that God has prepared for each one of us. To walk in grace, in other words. You know, this is so powerful. You know, it says uh, it here that, you know, just as we have received grace into our lives to help us to transform the way in which we view ourselves, so this needs to transform the way we see others. Because if I am God's workmanship, if I am a work of art, I need to recognise that you are too, that my neighbour is too. We are all God's workmanship. And so it affects how we behave and how we treat how we think about others around us. Everything in these verses is part of Paul building to his central point right in the middle here in verse 9, that there is no room for boasting in anything that might we might achieve in our lives. Even our good works aren't our own idea. It's interesting, you could think, well, why didn't Paul just kind of stop and say, well, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, full stop. And yet Paul seems to go on with this, um, what can trip us up sometimes. I think, well, it's those good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And why does he chuck that in at the end? And I was, I was struggling with this, thinking, well, what's that got to do with it all? And it seems to me that if I was... You know, if I was looking at this, you could be quite tempted to think, great, God has done wonderful things in me. And now I'm going to go out and do great things for God. What a great idea I had to do all these wonderful things. And Paul says, oh, no, no, no. You know, just in case you were tempted to think, well, God did it all for me. And now look at all these wonderful things I've done. Paul says, no, any good things you do now, God knew about them from the start. God prepared those in advance for you to do. What does that mean? Well, we can't, we can't boast about anything that happens because God knew about it from the start. Everything you are and have is by the grace of God. And so what are these good works um, that we're to do? You know, the Bible consistently urges us who have experienced God's grace to lead what Paul often talks about as, as, as holy and godly lives. You know, a true and a lively faith is um, itself worked out in love, it says in Galatians 5. In, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says God's people are urged to, to do good works in all circumstances, Paul says. In Colossians 1, Paul prays for his readers to bear fruit in every good work. You see all the kind of good works that we're to do? It's all over, um, all over the Bible, all over the New Testament, to be filled with knowledge of God's will and his purpose for our lives. In Titus 3, it says men and women should be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. In other words, good works are um, godly behavior. Good works are doing things that make us look more like God, that reflect the character of the one who has created us. And so these good works that Paul talks about here are our response to what God has done for us. And they're a reflection on the creator. The way we live reflects 
God's character and his action in us. So let's just, um, let's just finish there with thinking about how this impacts on us. I wonder for you whether you can connect with the truth that you are a work of art, that you are God's workmanship. Uh, if for you, I, I, I just, I, f- I feel this quite strongly actually, that, that if, if for you, you hear that and actually you react quite strongly against the idea that you are a work of art, and in your mind, you start coming up with all sorts of objections. But, 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 but you've not seen this about me. You've not seen these imperfections in my life. I, I wonder this morning whether God would wanted to be speaking kind of deep into who you are. Speaking to your, to your mind and the way you think. And also speaking to your heart. It says, no, you are a work of art. You are God's workmanship created by Christ. You know, the other day, um, our daughter Izzy was um, doing some painting, and she's, she's, in, she's in the mode at the moment of watching YouTube videos and copying artists on YouTube and kind of drawing her own pictures. And, uh, and it's wonderful, actually. She was, she was drawing this wonderful um, view, as she calls it, wonderful view, uh, copied from YouTube, and, uh, and, and it looked great. And, uh, and, and what does she do? Well, she looks at it and she says, oh, but it's not perfect. I, I messed up that little bit there. It, that, does, that isn't quite right. That isn't quite what I intended to do. And, and after kind of, you know, 20, 30 minutes of kind of working on this, she scrunches it up and throws it aside because in disgust, because it's not exactly how she wanted it to, to be. And yet for me, kind of looking on as her dad, I kind of look at this and go, it's great. Why, why, why would you scrunch it up? Why, why cast it aside? It has such huge, not only potential, but um, it might not be a priceless masterpiece, but, but look at it and go, that, that is a wonderful work, is he? And if you this morning, sometimes you kind of feel like looking at your own life and you question whether really you are that masterpiece. I wonder whether God this morning would want to speak to you about that. You know, I recognize in myself two competing tendencies. You know, firstly, a tendency toward being afraid of failure. It can be a very real thing, and it's certainly a real thing for me, afraid of failing. But also a tendency to take pride in my own achievements when I overcome that failure and choose to, to act. And a tendency to look at what I've done and feel proud of myself. I wonder if you're the same. As I was praying uh, yesterday about, about this talk, I felt particularly to pray for those who have that fear of failure and that actually that is holding you back. You recognize, and it's all that God does, is his work of grace. And secondly, kind of related to that, particularly for those who perhaps live with a fear of uh, living an insignificant life, living a life that you perceive to not be significant and if you found yourself kind of thinking, oh, you know, I, I'm missing something. I'm not doing something quite right. I, I, sh- I, I should be having more of an impact than I feel like I'm having. I feel like the Lord this morning would say to you that you're called to walk in grace. To walk, as this passage says, walk in the ways that God has prepared for you. 
It's not all down to you and you coming up with a, a fantastic new idea of how to live your life, but to live in grace. So this week, I wonder what God is giving you to do and how you need to walk in it. You know, hopefully, the way in which you walk this week, in what you do, in how you speak to others, in uh, what, puts God, what God puts in front of you this week to do, that he's prepared in advance for you. Hopefully, whatever that is, you will do it with humility. No room for boasting. But you'll also do it in a way that's soaked in reliance upon God. That you recognise it's all about God's work through you. And that looks like prayer. That looks like worship. That looks like relying on God. And in all that God gives you to do this week, that you would treat others with the dignity and the respect as God's work of art. Perhaps not with kid gloves like that curator in the Mona Lisa, but uh, of the, in the Louvre of the Mona Lisa, but, but to treat others with respect, not as inferior works of art, but as God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Let's pray, shall we? And I'm going to ask the bands, they can come on up and... Uh, yeah, Father, we, um, we thank you for this incredible passage. And, uh, and Lord, we pray uh, this week, Lord, that you would uh, be speaking to each one of us, that we would walk in your grace. Lord, I pray for those who um, perhaps recognise there's a fear of failure or a fear of insignificance. And I pray, Lord, that they would be able to step out into the truth, Lord, that, that uh, you have gone before them. You have prepared their way that fear of failure wouldn't hold us back from doing the good work you have for us to do. Lord, I pray for, for each of us, Lord, where we also have a tendency toward pride and to um, look on our achievements. I pray, Lord, this week that we would um, recognise it's all you. It's all your work. It's all by your grace. We give it back to you for your worship and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.